Welcome to an extra special edition of No Such Thing as a Fish. This time we are celebrating the release of our new book, the book of the year 2019, The World's Weirdest News. My name is Dan Schreiber. I am sitting here with Andrew Hunter-Murray, Anna Chizinski, and James Harkin. And once again, we have gathered around the table with our four favorite facts from our new book, which is out now. And in no particular order, here we go. Starting with you, James. Okay, my fact from the book of the year 2019, the world's weirdest news, (laughs) is that Greta Thunberg's middle name is Tintin. Amazing. So good. Isn't that great? Now, you could argue this isn't technically true. Because (laughs) Glad we opened on this one. Immediate climb down. Well, she has five names in total, and Tintin is the second one. I call it a middle name. So she is called Greta Tintin Eleonora Ernman Thungberg. Wow. Middle name Tintin. That's an incredibly um, that's an incredibly professional way of, of you to caveat that fact, James, because any other person would have just said her middle name is Tintin, that's fine. But you said, well, technically it's one outside her middle name, but it's not a first or a surname. <laughs> yeah. we, we kept editing that sentence out of the actual book, though, in the end. Um, I reckon that any name which is not your first name or your surname is technically a middle name. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Agreed. Like, if you're in a family of ten people and you're the ninth child, you say you're one of the middle siblings, don't you? Yeah, sure. You, I think you only get to single yourself out if you're the first name or the surname. I would say I was the penultimate child (laughs) (laughs) yeah you do don't you and you're an only child which is bizarre Um, she's not the only person with a fun uh, middle name to appear in our book okay Uh, just very quickly uh, Lucy Bronze the footballer for the England football team Um, her middle name is Tough yeah Yeah. very cool that's a great Tough Bronze that's good yeah but why is Greta Thunberg's middle name Tintin do we know I don't know, actually. I can only assume her parents were fans. Yeah. Or she has a white dog. She could, although she wouldn't have had it when she was born. No, you're right. I have no other Tintin references, so I can't think of any other reason. She's a sort of young adventurer going around the world having adventures. That's true. That's true. But she she wasn't when she was born. No, again. No, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) She is still very young to be adventuring, though, isn't she? I'm always surprised that she's 16 still, I think. She's Um, amazing. And she's currently, so she took this trip to the US and then going on to Chile to attend these conferences. And she's still, as we speak, traveling down through the US on her way to Chile. And I I don't know who she's with. Does she have any parental (laughs) guidance I think, is it not true that if you're traveling under the age of 18, your parents can drop you off and then someone can pick you up at the airport and actually you're fine. I think that's probably what she's doing. Yes. Should we just quickly say... um, She isn't doing that, by the way. (laughs) She's definitely would never go by airplane anywhere. No, no, absolutely. We should. I was just going to say, we should say there might be a few people out there who genuinely don't know who Greta Thunberg is. You know, oh. she's one of the biggest names of the year, but the way we've been talking about it, it sounds like she's an adventurer. Um, so <laughs> she's the environmentalist campaigner who has been causing huge storms uh, of the good no, kind. It's climate change which is causing the huge <laughs> oh, storms. I keep mixing this up. She's trying to fight storms wherever she goes. She, so she started off um, sitting outside... Was it her Swedish Parliament building? Swedish Reichstag, yeah. Yeah, and she uh, she was skipping school to do that, and that turned into the huge school strike movement. But her initial leaflets that she handed out said, "I am doing this because you adults are shitting on my future." 
Which is a great phrase. It is. Terrible misbehaviour. So she skives school and then use foul language to abuse strangers. Okay, you have to stop reading the Telegraph. (laughs) (laughs) No, she is great. And she led what were the biggest climate protests in all history. So I think in the space of one month, she led two, which were attended by four million people. She's just extraordinary, is, isn't it? Amazing. Wow. Do you think they'll look back? Like, we look back now at Joan of Arc, who was, what, 14 years old or something, mm-hmm. and can't believe that she managed to have the whole of the French army behind her. But yeah. now there's this 16-year-old who's got four million, more than that, let's be honest, people yeah. behind her. It's just insane. But Greta Thunberg isn't using those people to throw the English out of France. We should say that. <laughs> there's been a lot of stuff thrown around about her. There is one conspiracy, this is a very mad conspiracy theory about her, that says she's actually an Australian actress called Estella Renee, who is working for the deep state. And deli- <laughs> It's not clear why the deep state would that need... That would be amazing <laughs> if you looked back at old episodes of Neighbours and she just pops up there. <laughs> Do you know the foundation for this rumour? No. Cool. Just incredibly weird people on the internet. Yeah, stuff up. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, it's really, really loco because we know who her parents are. We know where she was born. We, there are records of her all the way through. Yeah. Look, I wasn't suggesting it might be true. I just wondered if there was any logic to it. Like maybe someone thought she had a tan that maybe she got from Australia. Or... <laughs> I believe you, Andy. Don't worry. <laughs> no, oh God. Well, there is another one, which is it's slightly less mad, but it's still completely mad, if you know what I mean, which is that she's got an IMDb page and she's listed as an actress because she once did a voiceover. So that's... That's some people. That's the evidence for some people saying that she's therefore not real. Okay. Well, her mum was uh, in the arts, wasn't she? She was a, a performer of some sort. Yeah, opera singer. Yeah. So okay, that makes sense. You might have your child appear in something at a young age without th- their consent. I think it's a climate thing that she did a voiceover for. Actually, oh, okay. it's like it's, I mean, Donald Trump is listed as an actor on IMDb, so. Being on IMDb does not mean that you're not a person. Well, he is. No, he is, though. He was in Home Alone 2. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Classic scene. <laughs> He's an actor. He's an actor. He was brilliant in that, I thought. Uh, no, I, don't, I haven't seen it. Um, yeah, her mother is quite interesting. Her mother's a woman called Milena Ernman, and she was a famous opera singer, a really famous opera singer in Sweden, and she gave it up because of Greta. So Greta convinced her to cancel her entire career because all the international travel is so bad for the environment. Oh, the travel. I was thinking, like because you do so much singing and you're kind of breathing a lot. All the carbon dioxide yeah. that comes out. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. But yeah. I read this is a bit of a... It must be very hard trying to get everything right when you're trying to do your best to stop a carbon p- footprint. So her going across to America in a boat... Um, I read that, unfortunately, in order to get the boat back, they had to fly out two of the boat pilots to America in order to bring it back. What? They could have just sent them off in another boat. Exactly. Well, why weren't they in the boat? Like, what's going on? Where were they? They did, but they did. They said in response to that that their whole flight was carbon neutral. So they, um, you know, what's it called? When you count, they offset the carbon of that. It's tricky, though, because offsetting is a thing which some people say doesn't really work. You can't really suck up carbon in the same way that... I think the argument mostly is that by doing it, people think that it's okay to fly. Right. And so if you think, oh, I'm going to offset it, then you might be more inclined to do more short-haul flying. Yeah. Uh, The protests, the environmental protests have been pretty interesting. Um, There was a really good fact that one of you guys found, I think, which is that the levels of pollution on Oxford Street fell by 45% due to the Extinction Rebellion protest because they stopped all of the cars going there, which is really cool, I think. That's very cool. Um, That's like immediate action. And also, I found this... um, this protest in Australia, which was pretty cool. It was on Manly Beach, 
near Sydney, and 150 protesters buried their heads in the sand. <laughs> that's a great that cool? protest. The pictures are amazing. That's they look, great. They look like they're praying, you know, they're right yeah. on their knees with their heads down and stuff like that. But that's very funny. Yeah. Did they have guards to stop people just running around kicking them all up the arse <laughs> one after the other? <laughs> I didn't see any guards. I, look, but... I support the protests. I just want to make it clear, but... We, we didn't assume you didn't. <laughs> right, well, we, did you. When well, he, we did when he implied that he was going to rod along the beach of protesters kicking them all in the arse. <laughs> I think the implication was you support the protest, but if you see a big row of asses in the air, you have to you kick them. you got to kick them. Yeah, yeah well, that's where I went. Did you it, could play them like bongos. You could play them like bongos. <laughs> <laughs> it's not quite as violent, but it's still funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the first things Extinction Rebellion did was to occupy the offices of, guess where? Uh, so was it in Sweden? Uh, no, I think it was here actually. In London. Okay, the offices of Shell. It was Greenpeace. Was it? Oh. Yeah. They sort of um, they handed out flowers, but they also gave out leaflets saying we're going to be much more assertive about this than you guys have been. Wow. No Greenpeace, do, Greenpeace do their share of you know yeah, stunt protests definitely. and things. Yeah, yeah. But Extinction Rebellion were just you know marking their territory. God, I, I think of Greenpeace is quite assertive. <laughs> I do as well. <laughs> they also had this thing in July where hundreds of environmental climate demonstrators picketed the headquarters of Drax, and that's Drax is a big energy and gas giant, and they were picketing them over a new gas-powered plant that they were planning in Yorkshire, I think. Anyway... They hadn't done the research. Drax moved out of that building over a year ago and they instead chained themselves to this block in Moorgate, which is now occupied by Europe's leading renewables generator. (laughs) You can't win them all. (laughs) I love the headline that we actually have for the Extinction Rebellion article in our book is a woman glued her breast to the road to protest against climate change. And this was just the most wonderful, the glue. It's just fantastic. They were gluing their bums to the windows mm, in the yeah. in Westminster. They were gluing themselves on streets. They were on a guy did it on top of a plane the other day. Did you see that? What glued himself on top of a plane? As part of this new Extinction Rebellion um, sort of revival, um, he was getting on a plane from the steps on the outside, and he climbed on top and he glued himself to the top, and um, so yeah, disrupted this flight. That is um, amazing. I know. I do. There's a bit of me that wish that they just pranked him, just closed the door, and started heading down the road. <laughs> <laughs> Andy really behind the plane, trying to kick him in the ass. <laughs> I just want to say I do support the whole um, thank you <laughs> there were the people who glued themselves to Corbyn's house weren't there oh, yeah. Yeah. It was, I think it was four protesters glued themselves outside Jeremy Corbyn's home but you know a lot of these people are very nice people the climate protesters so they admitted they felt absolutely terrible about upsetting his wife who was indoors at the, at the time and they had flowers and easter eggs delivered to the house to apologise for the inconvenience Ooh. I think sort of while they were still glued I think maybe one of them with their toes dialed the flower delivery <laughs> service or something <laughs> Um, one protester was arrested while dressed as some broccoli. There's a oh, great I saw shot. the video of that. He looks very, very good because they've it's been very really creative funny. with the costumes and everything. And as he was arrested, he was heard to be shouting either give peace a chance or give peas a chance. <laughs> not clear which he was shouting. Right. Why was he a broccoli then? Because broccoli is good for you. You should eat less meat. You know, this kind of stuff. Yeah, mm. it's green. Well, I get that, but you know, dress yeah. as a pea if that's going to be your line. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what about broccoli fossil fuels in the ground? Very nice. Thank he you. could have done with you. <laughs> but I do support what he did. I think. <laughs> uh, just Can I just say my favourite group of people who are protesting climate change yep. uh, is drug users and oh. drug dealers with them. So this was the news this year. This is in our book that cocaine is now being sold in environmentally friendly pods. 
This was a interview that was done, I think, in the Birmingham Mail, the Birmingham Post, and they interviewed a drug user who said that he thought this dealer was joking when he gave him a reusable container with his cocaine in it. He was like, what on earth is that, mate? And the dealer said, basically, we're not using the plastic Ziploc bags anymore. We are using these reusable ones. And if you want a refill of cocaine, you're going to have to bring back your reusable container. You know what? I'm going to take it up again. That's... That was always a deal breaker for me, and they, finally, they could have just introduced a five p charge for a small <laughs> plastic <laughs> container of drugs. That would have been amazing. <laughs> oh my god! Okay, it is time for fact number two, and that is Andy. My fact is that you can now be pulled over for drink driving by your own car. Where did you read this fact, Andy? Did oh. you read it in a book? Oh, yeah, sorry, I read it in the book. Of, no, I wrote it in the book of the year. Oh, the world's right. weirdest news. You've read it since, though, right? Of course, it's my bedside reading. But. <laughs> sorry, just check. I just wanted the citation in there. What an aggressive and unhelpful start to a fact. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I read it on a newspaper website, probably, and then I wrote it down in the book that we've all just written between oh, us. Sorry, what's that book? It's called The Book of the Year 2019, The World's Weirdest News. All Great right. title. When's it out? I don't know. Now, Andy, now. <laughs> it's out now. It's Andy, out have now. you missed the point of this podcast? <laughs> We're just trying to get you to say the name of the book. <laughs> Got it. It's out now. Great. Okay, so anyway. As you are. Volvo have, uh, Volvo have developed this car, or they have announced they are developing a car, which can tell you off for drink driving if oh. it detects that you're drunk. I'm um, sorry, it just tells yeah. you off. It doesn't uh, make you stop or anything. It just says, you naughty boy. I think it actually can pull over to the side of the road. It's still in development, so this is not a standard in new Volvos yeah. that you buy. Hmm. But I think it detects from the way you're driving, if you're driving very, very, very <laughs> drunkenly. What, what, if, what if, for instance, not saying I'm like this, but what yeah. if you're just a very bad driver? Uh, you'll never drive again, I'm afraid. <laughs> Even if I'm sober? I'm afraid not, no. Oh. Um, actually, a bit better after a few so I don't see <laughs> can I just say that is not true <laughs> you don't support the drink drivers no. uh, that's very clever so it was a car that detects if you've driven through your own kitchen window or something basically yeah <laughs> <laughs> It all, Volvo also had some other interesting technology that it announced this year, didn't it? And that was that its cars will warn each other if you're driving on icy roads. So cool. Mm. So cool. So I believe this is still in development. But yeah, it'll be automatic detection. If you're on an icy road and your car detects sort of a lack of friction, it will tell all the other Volvos nearby so the people driving them will get warnings. And if you don't drive a Volvo, then I guess you're buggered. That's uh, very cool. Uh, well, we're doing an advert for Volvo. <laughs> <laughs> The great thing about Volvo, I always thought, was the fact that they invented the seatbelt, right? Mm. The modern oh, seatbelt okay. that we have, which is kind of a 3.1, it kind of comes across your chest and your waist. Right. They invented it and they never uh, patented it. So it meant that everyone could use it for free because they realized that it was so good for safety um, that it would be better to be in every car and they didn't want the money for it. Um, but one thing that they are working on at the moment is a self-driving car seatbelt. Okay, because when you're in your self-driving car, you're probably not going to want to sit there at the front looking out of the windscreen. You might want to be having a lie down or you might want to be kind of playing, you know, video games or something like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so they have come up with a seatbelt blanket 
Okay. <laughs> so you kind of lie down or kind of like lounge a little bit and yeah. then the strap goes across your whole body about across your legs across your chest and everything like that but it's not real it's not like you're being strapped down because you're in a you know <laughs> hospital or something like that yeah because you're making it sound like you're sort of mummified into the car <laughs> it's not quite like it's supposed to not feel restrictive but it does kind of cocoon you that's brilliant. Uh, and that's a new thing that they're working on. That's wow. very cool. Yeah. I, when you said a self-driving seatbelt, <laughs> I thought it was if you'd driven off without your seatbelt, your seatbelt at home would remember and it would drive out to the car and catch up with you and then get into the car. <laughs> I've got another car development thing here. It's not Volvo. Oh, uh, well, I'm I not know. interested then. I stupidly <laughs> took a sponsorship from Ford, um, uh, which are fantastic cars. And um, But this year, and this is in our robots article, um, Ford have developed a robotic bottom um, which they test on their car seats um, so this is the idea of testing for wear and tear in mm, your car seats they've had that for a while haven't they yes they have but what they've added to it this year this is the 2019 edition uh, it now has sweat glands so it can mimic the behaviour of someone with a very uh, sweaty bottom uh, oh. you know you're driving on a hot day yeah and you've yeah. taken your trousers off to drive as I always do <laughs> see but your self-driving trousers are on the way <laughs> they'll get there eventually that's I think that's a real shame because you're putting a lot of real life human bottom testers out of work aren't you that's very true that very sad bottom. no but it's, it's a thing that's dealing with a real issue why don't they just find people with sweaty bottoms that's what I'm saying oh gotcha I remember right. when I was at school and they were telling me what kind of job I might have in the future <laughs> and they did check how sweaty my bottom was <laughs> and they, they did think I would be able to do this as a job I think that guy's been reported to the authorities actually <laughs> Um, just because this is about sort of new robotics technology, certainly oh, yeah. new robotics. One of my favourite stories in the book was the extreme advance in shoes, which is that Nike has invented self-lacing trainers. Yes. Wow. Remember that? Brilliant. So this, uh, these trainers are $300. Uh, they fit your foot shape automatically. So you try them on, they fit any foot shape. They're self-lacing, so they don't actually have laces because mm. the robots don't need laces. They just tighten and loosen automatically. And the idea is that it would be good in something like basketball, where sometimes you need some looseness for flexibility to increase blood flow, then sometimes you need it to tighten up when you need more you know more um grip and the problem is it's a total failure uh on <laughs> android phones so and people tried it on androids and it often broke after a few days there were complaints that it only worked on the right shoe so for some reason <laughs> the left shoes just constantly weren't responding and often the app would also say it's already connected to another pair of trainers <laughs> so, <laughs> so can you just make people fall over as they're walking by you because you so. connect your app to their shoes. Oh, that's like the modern equivalent of tying someone's shoelaces together. Yes. <laughs> um, speaking of, as we were, self-driving things, hmm. um, there is a self-driving wheelie bin that has been developed this year. <laughs> it's called Smart Can. Uh, and the Smart Can creator, who is called Andrew Murray... No. Yes. Wow. He said, we want to help people eliminate unnecessary chores from their daily lives. And what happens is basically when it's bin day, the bins take themselves out. Oh, Isn't heaven. that great? That's so, amazing. That's really amazing. So it's not a thing where if you can't afford a self-driving car, but you can afford a self-driving <laughs> bin, just get in the bin and go to work. It's not like that. Drill a pair of eye holes in it. <laughs> My other car is a smart car. <laughs> 
There's other um, car technology. Um, so um, there's a great company, Ford, who have designed... Um, Give it a rest, mate. The car in front is a Toyota. <laughs> Uh, they've developed something not for cars but for the bedroom and this is in our book it's a mattress that nudges you away from your partner if you start getting too near to them in bed um, what yeah it's a mattress like that, a chaperone mattress it's exactly if you've got you the know, mother-in-law mattress yeah you keep your hands off her god I hope your mother-in-law is not going to be saying that to you <laughs> she'd come into your bedroom every evening you keep her in the cupboard don't you <laughs> Yeah, you've got to sort that relationship out. But back to the fact. Um, so it's a mattress. And the idea is the, wet, the reason that Ford have been able to make it is they've been using the lane keeping technology that they have in their cars, which is it nudges the car away from a lane right. by st- taking the steering wheel and moving it. And they've applied it to the bed. And uh, it's only a prototype stage at this point. But yeah. As, I mean, I'm not familiar with whenever I'm driving a car and slightly go off course, then my car gets tipped off the road. But do they do that for no, they cars? They, oh, right. I, do, they, do they have does this lane self-driving cars? Self-driving cars in the future will have um, things that keep you in the lane. Got it. So this isn't technology that they have in existing Ford cars. Because that's one of the two know. two main struggles when driving. I found what? is the left and right of the lane staying on the road. Staying is the on main the main one. Yeah, it's the main one. And then you've got the forward and backwards one of how close you are to the car in yeah. front, and you've yeah. got the left right one of you it's know. It's very much a two-dimensional exactly. object, yeah. isn't it? You're, you're not going up and the down up and down takes care of itself. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't help that your mother-in-law's in the back going, Andy, for Christ's sake. Um, I just have one more bot of the year that I mm. quite liked. Mm-hmm. That's trying to help humans out in future. This is Irony Man. Based on Iron Man, name-wise, but in nothing else, this is a sarcastic robot, and it has a useful purpose, which is that apparently people trust robots more when, and they seem more natural and trustworthy when they're being a bit sarcastic, because humans are sarcastic or ironic, and so when robots are just giving you direct answers all the time, people don't trust them. Uh, so they've they've invented Irony Man, and it does things like it uh, will pair a really deadpan expression with a uh, humorous facial expression, uh, a deadpan words with humorous facial expressions, or it will add sarcastic emphasis. So it will That's say cool. something like, "I'm delighted you spilled your pint of beer on me." And, oh. and then you know, <laughs> give and a smashes wink. you in the face for the <laughs> exactly <laughs> violent irony. Um, it wow. has a slight problem, so it's sort of to help vulnerable people or older people who you know people get robots to care for them around the house Mm. but it can't tell when's the appropriate time to deploy irony so in really sensitive situations it is currently saying things like which you might get with older people indeed oh good you've fallen over (laughs) (laughs) that sort of thing well we got just while we're on robots we've got a fact in the book about the robot hotel in japan where they fired all of their robot staff and replaced them with humans and james you've just went there i did i stayed there deliberately (laughs) as people well, no, from our last podcast, when I deliberately went to this town in the Netherlands just yeah. because I read about it, I deliberately booked into this hotel instead of going to a nice hotel. <laughs> dragged my wife along to this place, and yeah, they have um, robots at the reception, um, but I didn't see any other robots in the whole building. Really, I'm afraid. So they no used cleaning to have robots. Them, didn't they? I believe so, but we left quite early that day, and the cleaners were there, and they were either extremely realistic robots. <laughs> Or they were um, humans. <laughs> oh, really? Because yeah. there was one one problem was that they could only reach a quarter of the rooms, I think. Was that right? In the hotel, they couldn't right? get up certain stairs. And also, whenever a robot met another robot on the corridor, they didn't know how to pass each other. <laughs> <laughs> I have that problem a lot as well. Sure. Like you go 
left and they go left and yeah it's a nightmare um actually the only other thing that i did see was they had these amazing cupboards i don't know if you guys have seen these before but it's like a cupboard and you put your clothes in and it's like a washing machine but i don't think there's any water and you leave it on for 45 minutes and it freshens up your clothes wow so it doesn't wash them which i learned because <laughs> at this stage <laughs> i've been on the road for two weeks and didn't yeah. have many clean clothes and i thought maybe it'll wash them but it does make them a lot fresher and i think like maybe business people use them wow. because obviously in japan you work long hours and mm-hmm. stuff like that and so it just freshens up do we know how, do you know how it freshens them i think it's through air and maybe it's damp air Mm. Uh, wow. I think but you basically hang something up and then close the door and some magic happens and you open it up and it smells quite nice wow. but it's not clean <laughs> that is very cool yeah. I just have one last thing this is a technology uh, bit of news from the book um, and it's that the bass player from Blur who's also a cheese maker Alex James has been this year turned into cheese it's going to affect the reunion tour pretty badly, isn't it? <laughs> this was is quite exciting. This was done as part of the V&A Museum exhibition in London. And what they did was they took celebrities and they turned them into cheese. So uh, they took bits of bacteria off of them mm-hmm. and made them. So Alex James was turned into a block of Cheshire. Uh, Professor Green, the musician, was turned into a sort of form of mozzarella. Uh, the Madness Singer Suggs was turned into a block of cheddar. You can go visit all these celebs as cheeses. It's like the weird Madame Tussauds. Mm. Do, do you know where on their body they got the bacteria from to make the cheese? Because I think it would affect whether I was going to eat the cheese or not. I, I don't think you should eat the exhibits. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so it's, they're not, uh, it's not cheese that's being sold. They didn't do it en masse. No, no, it's just it's part of a museum. Oh, what a waste. Yeah. Let's break in. Well, the thing is with cheese is it gets better the longer you leave it. Some cheeses mm. anyway. Um, so maybe once the exhibition is finished, we can all go with a few crackers and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> eat Alex James. Yeah. <laughs> okay, it is time for fact number three, and that is Chazinski. My fact this week, taken straight from the book of the year 2019, available from all good bookstores and online. That was really professionally yeah. done, Anna, I must that say. That is how you That's do it. That's really good. Thank you very much, guys. My fact is that in a country of 1.3 billion people, a polling station was set up in the middle of the jungle for one single man. Wow. <laughs> so that can only be India or China. <laughs> and it's one of them. Take a pun. You well, know, which one has elections? <laughs> <laughs> and you've narrowed it down yeah this this was in india india had an election this year of course a mammoth election and there was a priest a holy man called darshandas who he takes care of a temple which is in a wildlife sanctuary very deep in the jungle it's 70 kilometers into the jungle in gujarat and he wanted to vote and so five election officials traveled the 70 kilometers into the jungle set up a polling station specifically for this guy and wow. he could vote Although weirdly, and I couldn't find out why this was, they set it up a kilometre from his house. So they went all that way and they couldn't quite be bothered to do the last kilometre to his front door. I think you've got to make the effort to vote, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you've got to go. He might want to think about who's going to vote yeah. for during yeah. that one kilometre yeah. walk. They've Good probably point. put placards on the trees on the way, sort of trying to convince him to sway the vote. Yeah, you're right. But this wasn't the only polling station for just one person. Was it not? Amazingly. So there was another one in a place called Malagam, and the team travelled 300 miles with the polling booth. I th- that must be cumulatively. It must mm-hmm. be. 
Um, and the, there was a big interview with them, and I think the Washington Post it was went along. Um, and the as they were setting up the voting machines, one of them said, "There is both excitement and nervousness. If the one voter turns up, there will be one hundred percent voting. But if she doesn't, it will be zero percent." And they got there, and the lo- locals nearby said, "Oh yeah, she's left. She's left the area." Oh wow! And they so they, they but they thought, "No, we hope she turns up." They still up. have to have it there just in case, I assume, right? Right. And but the, it's so demanding. So they had to at five a.m. wake up and carry out a mock a mock poll with fifty mock votes, even though there's only one voter coming to the polling station. And then, thankfully, the woman in question was called Taeyang, and she turned up. She had been 125 miles away looking after her ill mother. She came all the way back to vote here. She she arrived at eight thirty. She still had to queue up because there was a problem with the machine. No way. She voted, and then they had to stay open until five p.m. Oh my god! <laughs> so if you've ever overslept and missed a council election or something, you should feel incredibly guilty. I know that story. Considering the polls usually close at ten o'clock, I think if you've overslept, <laughs> come on, James. We've all been students. <laughs> Do we know if the uh, original? person that we're talking about with this fact voted. Dojanas did vote. Uh, we are not sure who he voted for. Uh, because it's... it's well, secret. there's a lot of people to vote for because there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people who take part in this election. Yeah. Because there's 1.3 billion people, as we said, in India and anyone who doesn't have a criminal conviction can stand in the election. <laughs> so you have so many thousands of people. There's only 543 seats. And in the last election in 2014, we didn't have the... Um, the figures for this year yet, but um, 90% of the 8,200 people who were going for election forfeited their deposits. Oh, I know. Really? So everyone's getting like 0% and 0.1% and stuff like that. There's a guy um, from Tamil Nadu who has contested and lost 201 elections. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. How old is he? <laughs> he must be pretty old. Yeah. Well, maybe like, like you say, council elections, local yeah. elections, stuff like that. Gosh. And there's another guy called um, Fakad Baba. Um, who is currently on his 17th time running for the national election. And his guru has predicted that his victory will come on the 20th attempt. <laughs> so he's got That's three so more. annoying having to go through all 20. Yeah, only to not win on the 20th attempt. <laughs> Did you say it's if you're not convicted of if something? If you've not been convicted of a criminal offence. I know there are a lot of people who have been charged. Okay. Yeah. So um, we found out something about this in our research for the book which is that of the MPs elected, actually elected, 43% are facing criminal charges of some kind. And of those, 18% are either charged with murder or attempted murder. So it's about 8% of all elected MPs in India are charged with either murder or attempted murder. And the reason is, of course, because in India they have an unbelievable backlog of cases, which I think we might have mentioned before. Yeah. Like yeah. there are millions. Of, if they did one every day... Or, yeah. you know, or 100 every day, they won't clear it up for something like a thousand years or yeah. something like yeah. that. Yeah, I think we have discussed. And in mm. fact, there's one story in the book. I think an Indian man was imprisoned this year for he stole something like 20 rupees in 1979. That's right. So it's been 40 years waiting to yeah. get through. And he pled not guilty. And then he sort of disappeared in 2004. They finally caught up with him, arrested him, put him in jail. And then I think they exonerated him. He spent three months in jail. And then they were like, actually, you're not guilty. Yeah. <laughs> I don't well, know how said, much evidence you can collect for this theft. Of they released him. Movies. And then they said, don't do it again. I think. They did, but they found him not guilty. Not to- 
So they, <laughs> you're not guilty, but also don't do the thing you're not guilty of again. That's very lucky it was only three months, because presumably the waiting list to revisit cases must be equally long, right? Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the thing in the Scottish courts, isn't it? They used to have that. I don't know if they still got that verdict. Not proven is guilty, not guilty, and not proven, which means not guilty, but don't do it again. Is the old line? Yeah. Uh, Just we should say how amazing an undertaking the Indian Mm. election is. So it's held in seven different phases because India is so vast. As you say, it just shows how swollen our parliamentary system is because they have about a hundred fewer seats than us in Parliament, and they managed to rule this massive country. But it lasts from it lasted this year from eleventh of April to nineteenth of May. uh, (sighs) What voting? Yeah, Yeah. voting. So they do it in seven different sections, and it's across twenty states. And of course, Narendra Modi won. In the end? Uh, Just in sort of uh, political news that we have in the book, uh, one of my favorite stories was about the uh, Prime Minister of Bhutan. Um, We found out this year that he likes to unwind from his very stressful job by going to a hospital every Friday and operating on someone. That's it. He he said there's a quote. He says, Some people play golf, some do archery. I like to operate. Which he is qualified to do, isn't he? Well, no, but he doesn't do operations he's qualified for. That's the amazing thing. He takes a random patient and he picks a random procedure and he just does it. It's very impressive. The things you can get away with in public office. (laughs) For a long time, so before he was prime minister, he was the only urological surgeon in Bhutan. And he used to have a TV show. He used to go on on the BBS, which is Bhutan Broadcasting Service. And the public would call in and he would give advice over the uh, Oh, like Embarrassing Bodies, basically. Yeah, but live, I guess. Okay, Embarrassing Bodies live. Live, what do you want? <laughs> I've actually seen it. I don't know what that show does. Uh, that's really interesting. They didn't have TV in Bhutan until the 80s or 90s as yeah. well. So he must be like yeah. one of the biggest um, TV stars in history. Yeah, actually, do you know what? I, it's possible this is radio. I just realized that uh, I haven't okay. actually put that detail down. Oh, so like any questions on Radio 4? But live. But live. Oh, sorry, any answers on Radio 4. <laughs> that's the one where you ring in. But it's normally ringing in saying what you think about Brexit. It's like Gardner's Question Time. Yeah, uh, but not about gardening, but yeah. about yeah. urological pe- problems. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't call up either Gardener's Question Time or any questions with your weird bodily problems. Okay, <laughs> Jonathan Dimbleby will not appreciate it. That. Hello, is that embarrassing bodies? <laughs> no, this is Gardener's Question Time. Oh, can I tell you about my problem anyway? I'll go into the garden. Hang on, <laughs> the rash on my penis is still there. <laughs> Now the neighbours are shouting something. Um, oh, other Lordy. other political news from the year. Yeah. Mm. Um, so there was there was the election of Zelensky, president of Ukraine, who's oh, recently yeah. come into his own by getting involved in American politics. But this he was a film star. So much like the Bhutanese guy, he was famous before he came, became president for other reasons. Or Greta Thunberg. Or Greta Thunberg. <laughs> um, so he starts. <laughs> He starred in a series called Servant of the People and it was an extremely popular series where he plays a man, the lead role, where he plays a man who accidentally becomes leader of the country. And so he thought, I'm going to try that for real. And so he set up a party called Servant of the People because why waste that name? Mm. And yeah, he, he smashed it's, it. It's insane. It's so bizarre. It's, I mean, I can't think of a... I guess it's like the stars of the thick of it, isn't it? Actually becoming prime minister. Or, you know, like the star of The Apprentice becoming president of the united states <laughs> yeah true yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i guess i think of it yeah, yeah they are it's exactly leaders. The, yeah 
Um, did you see the recent news about Zelensky, which was too recent for the book, actually, aside from the fact that Trump's obviously in a small bit of trouble for asking him to look into his rival. But Zelensky also just broke the world record for the longest ever press conference. <laughs> so this is a few, few days ago. It, was, it lasted from 10 in the morning until just after midnight. What? <laughs> it's a long press conference. Oh, wow. oh my goodness. And what wow. was that? Questions and answers? It was questions and answers. And apparently he largely did it to try and deflect attention because he's getting in trouble in Ukraine for having got involved with Donald Trump in yeah. this questionable way. Yeah. But at eight hours, so I guess at 6 p.m., someone came up and announced that he'd broken the existing record, which was set by Belarus. So presumably everyone wow. thought, oh, thank God, we can go away now. He went on for another six hours. <laughs> that is amazing. It's impressive, isn't it? Wow. Oh, and he also said that he had special surgery done or a special treatment done on his vocal cords to make them stronger, had injections to strengthen his vocal cords. Oh, yeah, Ooh. you can get Botox in your vocal cords, can't you, to make them stronger? So oh, it must have been that. that. Yeah, but yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't that seize them up like it does with your face muscles? It would seize them up, but then you it's the amount that you put in depends on how much they're seized up, right? Mm. And actually, looking yeah. at it now, some of the questions were, why are your vocal cords looking so sexy? <laughs> so I think it... <laughs> It was the Botox thing. <laughs> well, um, there was who I would have liked to have won the Ukrainian election because then they would have been speaking to Trump on the phone and discussing Joe Biden is the person who was called Darth Vader who ran for a seat in that election. Right. Darth Viktorovich Vader. Wow. So you just want to hear his heavy breathing voice on the phone, you're saying? Look, you take it where you can get it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I just like I just love the idea of um, instead of Trump being in trouble with Zelensky being in trouble with Darth Vader, yeah. I think that would have been yeah. hilarious. <laughs> Trump turns out to be his son after his fifth term in office. Uh, one of my favorite facts of this book. Um, so there was a there was a kid who became quite famous globally, known as Egg Boy. Um, egg Boy became famous in Australia because he threw an egg, well, smashed an egg rather, on a far-right politician called Fraser Anning um, during a live TV interview, and Anning punched him, and so he he became famous. But it's just a tiny detail that I think James, you found out that Egg Boy, who got given the nickname Egg Boy for the for the thing that he did, mm. in later interviews he revealed that at school he is already known as Egg Boy. Because he used to bring hard-boiled eggs to school and classmates complained that they smell. So he used to be Egg Boy in a bad way and now he's Egg Boy the hero. Um, That's good though. He's taking back control of the name Egg Boy really is what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. His two things have happened in his life. Taking back control. Anna, you have to stop reading the telegraph. (laughs) Serious. There was one more Aussie politician. He got caught replying to his own Facebook post, but under another name. This is Angus Taylor MP. He was a Liberal MP, and he posted a video announcing extra parking spaces at train stations. Fine, fair enough. And then he immediately replied to it, but under his own account name, Mm. saying, fantastic, great move, well done, Angus. (laughs) And everyone spotted this, and they immediately also started replying, fantastic, great move, well done, Angus. (laughs) So actually, he got what he wanted, lots of supportive responses. Lots of praise, That's the egg egg balls. It's the egg balls. Um. (laughs) Egg balls is something you need to see that urologist about. Okay, it is time for our final fact of the show, and that is my fact. My fact this week, taken from the book of the year 2019, is that a Canadian man who threw his speeding ticket out of his car window was then given a ticket for littering. So, he lost twice. (laughs) That will teach you. It's the opposite of Egg Boy, basically. 
And two wrongs don't make a right, do they? The speeding ticket didn't undo his... Um, Not in law, definitely. ...littering. No. <laughs> two wrongs two in murders. It's <laughs> fine. <laughs> Did an even number of murders. Yeah. So many people have been ruined by that misconception. It's such a shame. Yeah, there was a lot of funny, weird crime stories this year, wasn't there? A lot of yeah. kind of fitting ones, a bit like that. So one of the stories in the book is that five guys were arrested at a branch of five guys, yes. the burger chain. Uh, this was in Florida, and they got into a fist fight. Uh, it was an out-and-out -out brawl. And I think we like to think that there were only four guys involved, and the police just <laughs> asked the fifth guy, do you mind if we arrest you as well? We've, we've got to make this work. <laughs> There was um, there was a British fugitive who got arrested. He fled Australia on a jet ski. I really like this guy. Uh, where, and he, he, where was he going? New he, Zealand. Must he be. was going to Papua New Guinea, which is 120 miles. So I think he stopped for fuel at an island on the way. However, he ran out of fuel three miles short of Papua New Guinea. Oh. He was and he was wanted for I think for some pretty bad stuff. Oh. Uh, he was armed with a crossbow as well. And um, when he arrived at this remote peninsula to refuel with his jet ski, a witness told the Brisbane paper, the Courier Mail, that he stuck out like dog's balls. <laughs> <laughs> that, that just reminds me, um, the Australian jet ski guy, mm. of a story that we had in, I think it was the first book of the year, uh, still available, still very readable. Um, remember the guy who was the, I think he was the musician who had eaten way too much at a restaurant, a seafood restaurant. He jumped into the yeah. ocean to escape the police. Yeah. And his tactic for escaping the water jet, uh, the water ski riding police was to hide underwater yeah. while he was out there. I can't remember his name. He had an amazing name. Oh. Yeah. He was a rapper. Yeah, that's yeah. I want to say self-made cash, but he's from this year's book. Yeah, he is. He yeah. is, because self-made cash is the rapper who has got done for credit card fraud, right? That's right. <laughs> yes. he's, what was it? And the, I think the judges, when they condemned him this year, said self-made cash, because he's written, actually written all these songs where the lyrics kind of talk about how you can do a good fraud or screw <laughs> over the authorities. Do a good fraud. Do, you know, do a decent fraud, mate. And so I think when he was sentenced, the judge was like, self-made cash thinks that he is really adept at credit card fraud fraud he is not yes <laughs> yeah. if a judge is saying that to you you probably know that you're not very good at credit card fraud already don't you yeah. uh, can i give you a crime story which wasn't in the book this year yeah. this is kind of serious but also quite amazing so there was a man who was arrested on suspicion of stalking a female pop idol in japan but the way that he stalked her this is incredible she took photos and selfies and stuff and put them on social media and he looked at her pupils and looked at the reflection in her pupils of what she was looking at and then he used google street view to find out where she lived from what? that Whoa. isn't that unbelievable oh my god i mean that is terrifying That's it's insane. terrifying it's not a fun story but it's an amazing story but it's useful because it means that we should all start walking around with our eyes closed i, I suppose, think from just now on. whenever you take a selfie have your eyes closed yeah <laughs> but if you really want to be safety conscious anna just go around with your eyes closed constantly <laughs> i think so um, there, was a, there was a similar story though that is in the book which hmm. was about um alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, do you remember the thing about the um, fact that she was in a bath mm. and it was a nude photo of her in the bath and you could see in the um, the faucet at the end, you could see a reflection that looked like her and she was insisting that this wasn't her and they couldn't really prove it but someone eventually got to the bottom of it and it was someone who uses the website Wikifeet which is where feet are posted up of celebrity women all over the world and you rank them and you look at pictures of their feet. Do you? 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> only sometimes. Um, but this this guy is the person who exonerated her for the fact it wasn't her because he was able to show that it wasn't her feet. And he said, I've sucked enough toes in my life to recognize when something doesn't look right. Yeah. it's. I mean... He, he becomes a hero for doing that and then immediately in the same sentence becomes the creepiest <laughs> person alive. Yeah. <laughs> Um, there was another, weirdly, another story related to that as well, which was about um, Taylor Swift using facial recognition at her gigs. So okay, what is it? Is that up? when you arrived, I think there are lots of booths around. And if you look into the booth, you sort of, you can get snapped or you, your photo is taken. Or there are cameras all around at her gigs. Mm. And then those are, those images are uploaded to a sort of central command post. And then they're cross-referenced with images of people who are known to have um, been stalkers of Taylor Swift or have, you know, been, uh. you know, no, too creepy and um and then is that a crime <laughs> i think being too creepy is a crime yeah, yeah. oh yeah too creepy, too, sorry. creepy. too creepy um and so then the people can be slung out of the gigs yeah uh-huh. i read just on the facial recognition thing um that in china they've literally just come up with this new technology which can facially recognize an entire stadium of people it's uh, that's what it is it's a really really high megapixel camera so this is one of the most clear cameras that exists in the world and you can get an image of 10 20,000 people and it can facially recognize all of them wait so if those exact 80,000 people are together again somewhere it'll know that they're the same ones who all attended the Bolton sure. game that's, that's not the reason sorry did you say 80,000 people in a Bolton game <laughs> <laughs> that's my takeaway from that yeah, story that was where that fell down sorry um, no it's like to look for um, stalkers or criminals or whatever yeah. Yeah. The, the purpose is not to have a comeback gig for an audience <laughs> just, I just like the phrase it could recognise an entire stadium of people like it needs to see that one stadium exactly composed that way it would be an amazing game of spot the difference or where's wally for yeah. a, for an ai machine oh, yes. wouldn't it? that would be fantastic if you could cajole the twenty thousand people to come back again apart from test. one person who can't make it <laughs> yeah and then just replace them with someone in a red stripy jumper amazing yeah. i mean if you want if you want really good facial recognition it helps to be an authoritarian state like china because they they are way out in front with it mm. they, they are, know what they're doing that's good advice i, I think, think. <laughs> <laughs> um but on facial recognition um, we should also talk about bodily recognition, which has a big feature in our book. And this is specifically the story that a Swedish police officer recognised the naked body of a criminal God. when he was sharing a sauna with him. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> Wait, did you? Re- I thought he recognised the face. We don't know. The face. He doesn't well, say. <laughs> he said, we recognised each other. We don't know which part. Wow. I know that rash. <laughs> <laughs> What a hero, though. That is amazing. Because obviously sauna's big, bigger thing in Sweden than they are here. Yeah. And so he arrested him. He made a naked arrest. They were both naked in the sauna together. And I hadn't realised that they did recognise each other. So it sounds like their eyes met across the steam room. And they went, oh, well, God. Do you think, I reckon if I was a criminal, I'd quickly put a shitload of water on the coals. So it got really, really steamy. And then you could make your own yes. escape. That's brilliant. I, I, That's why I'd be such a great super criminal. We, we had uh, just a bit of behind the scenes on the writing of this book obviously for all the articles there was a lot of sort of back and forth about what we thought was a funnier way to put things or a better way to write massive things. arguments just put it as it is <laughs> massive 
just absolutely life-shattering arguments. We're not yet talking to each other fully again. Um, no, but uh, one of my, my favorite moments was actually an argument that I had with Andy about the drawing for this article, which was of a man that Adam Doughty drew for us sitting in a sauna with handcuffs around. Adam his... Doughty is our cartoonist, by the way. What do yeah, we call him? For our all three artist. books, our illustrator, yeah. yeah. Um, and he drew the criminal in the sauna with a towel on, sitting on a towel and handcuffs on. Mm. Andy wanted the towel removed because he wanted to see the man's bottom. <laughs> And yeah, but probably because in Scandinavia they don't use towels. Thank you, James. I wish you'd been in the room for this argument. Yes, but we... The scene... Oh, no, I would have still come down on that side. <laughs> but... but he was in handcuffs, so obviously something had happened whereby handcuffs were grabbed. Most likely a towel was grabbed as well. That was your internal logic of the way that scene played out. played out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Please we... write in with your votes. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you want to leave the show forever? Andy or Dan? <laughs> or both? Hit an option C. <laughs> Um, I've got one fact which didn't sadly make it into the book because, again, it happened too late. But this is another arrest, and it's a man in a place called Mould in North Wales. Oh, yeah, I know it really yeah. well. Yeah. Um, so he was arrested after he tried on some jeans in a shop, okay? But he he then left behind 31 wraps of heroin in the pockets of the jeans <laughs> that he tried well, on. I say really well. I just want to say. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that is amazing. Rest. And then, absolutely ballsy as, he went back into the shop to say, oh, I've left my medication behind. It was these 31 little wraps of white powder or, wow. or whatever. Yeah. Oh, my God. You, I, I think I would do that as well because they are probably going to track you down at that point anyway. How will they track you down? Oh, CCTV, I suppose. If oh. you've gone in and paid for your dry cleaning... They're going to have your details. Well, well, it's a clothes shop. He was. Yeah. He was. Oh, oh, he did try. Mm. He tried on. Wait some, a minute. He's yeah. taken his trousers off and left them in the clothes shop. I've missed this. Sorry. <laughs> it wasn't entirely clear to me. I think he. He's he, left the no, clothes shop. He, tr- he tried the trousers on, but yeah. then he was holding the heroin, and then he put them in the trouser pocket so he could but admire himself. Why would you put the? Is it? I, know, I, bet I know. Maybe he was testing the trousers yeah. to see how they fit with thirty-one wraps of heroin <laughs> in them yeah. to see if they made the pockets look Got bulky. Yeah, I yeah. think I have done that in clothes shops, with not <laughs> specifically with that substance, but with other class A drugs. Really? Yeah, because you do. <laughs> well, you put things in the pockets. You see need how to they check look. the pockets aren't too tight. I think oh, if you're yeah, wearing yeah. crafty. Yeah. Well, this, this is there's an example actually in the book. So we have an article which is called "Unusual Suspects," where this actually happened where a, a drug dealer a suspected drug dealer in Manchester left a rucksack stuffed with drugs on a tram and they found him because he had his full name and address on the bag <laughs> so it does happen that you can mm. yeah criminals are idiots another good um, weird idiot criminal story was I think this is my top five stories in the book it's that the owner of the smugglers in hotel was charged with people smuggling <laughs> and this is a place in Washington state it's near the Canadian border and its owner Robert Boulay really embraces the smugglers theme so you know he's not <laughs> he's not trying to hide he hasn't tried to hide the fact before that he's into the smuggling theme every room is named after a famous criminal you know all the decor is smuggler themed next door is the heroin dealers in yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, he just went one step too far and has been charged with 21 counts of inducing, aiding or abetting seven people who are entering Canada wow. illegally. Wow. That's amazing. But I, the thing I love about this place is I think this is the thing that you found, Dan, but that in a more un- unbelievable coincidence, in 2012, the Smugglers Inn was the scene of a crime when police arrested three people there for smuggling drugs in a car, coincidence one, and the license plate was Smuggler. Yeah. Well, this was a thing we mentioned on the podcast years ago. Yeah. Um, it just when we were writing this, I, I don't think it was my fact, but I, I recalled that we'd mentioned it. I thought it can't be the same place. And it is. What's the guy doing? Same place. Smuggling. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, we should wrap up soon. Anyone got anything before we do? Uh, just one other nice little crime story. This is that a man in Salisbury had to excuse himself from jury duty. Do you remember this? He was excusing himself on the grounds that he was scheduled to be the judge in the case in question. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> this was Judge Keith Cutler. And um, he said, you know, I, I can't really be on the jury because I'm judging this case. He's resident judge of Winchester and Salisbury. And so he wrote to ask for an exemption. And he was rejected. He was told by the authorities that he had to apply to the resident judge if he wanted an exemption. And he wrote back and said, I am the resident judge. <laughs> All he needs to be is also the executioner. <laughs> He's an idiot in himself. <laughs> OK, that's it. That is all of our facts from our new book, the book of the year 2019. Uh, it is out now. We would so appreciate it if you guys would buy a copy. We're, we're incredibly proud of it. It's very funny. It's so interesting. And uh, sorry, can I just say, like, you might think having heard this, you've heard everything in the book because we've done so many facts from it. But honestly, there are a thousand more facts, two thousand more facts. Yeah. yeah, and it's really, this one's really fun. We've all written individual articles about things that we're passionate about. James has written about uh, how to make the ultimate betting uh, move to win a lot of money. Right. Um, you've written about the Mueller report, Anna. Yeah, my main passion. Yeah. <laughs> Andy uh, got a sausages article in, finally, <laughs> finally. Um, Genuinely my main passion. Yeah, yeah, I interviewed the mayor of Uranus in America. <laughs> it's There's a lot of us in the book this time um, and, it's, and it's a great book. It is out now and it would mean the world to us if you would buy it. Um, if you'd like to get in contact with us to ask us about the book uh, and anything that you've read in it, we can be found on Twitter. I'm on at Schreiberland. Andy? At Andrew Hunter M. James? I can be found at Amazon.com if you search for the book of the year 2019 <laughs> or in Waterstones <laughs> or at James Harkin. And Chizinski? You can email podcast at qi.com. Yep, or you can go to our group account at No Such Thing or our website, no such thing as a fish.com. We have lots up there, all of our previous episodes, upcoming tickets to tour dates, and you can also find a really exciting behind the scenes documentary that we made on our last tour called Behind the Gills. Okay, we'll see you again next week. Goodbye. Show.